And I know this because of you. And I want to begin this series, uh, Crossing Into the Covenant Thinking. I want to begin this morning talking to you about accomplishing your purpose in life. What does it take to accomplish purpose in life? A lot of times people look at accomplishing uh, things and it's what they receive, what, what they see. And I want to begin to share with you in crossing into covenant thinking, what does it really mean about accomplishing God's purpose in your life? And so let me begin by saying thank you uh, for my wife and I who's with Jill in Colorado and getting real close uh, to having her baby. And I want to thank you for all the cards and the gifts the last couple weeks regarding our 11th anniversary. Uh, We actually have been at the church 26 years total, Um, but uh, we as lead pastor have been 11 years and just have a great team here, great pastoral team. Thank you for honoring them too and blessing them through the years. Um, But we just want to say thank you, and I also want to uh, bring to you and and just say, God has gathered the most amazing people at Valley Community Church. I am just, every time I go like JD with you on Friday night, I'm just looking and I'm just seeing the most amazing people in the world. I could just name many of you and just start bragging on you. I do brag on you, but I'm not going to do it right now. But I just want to say to you, you are the most amazing, loving people in the world. And I love you, and it is a privilege and an honor to be a part of your lives in the area of of, uh, shepherding and pastoring. And I am so proud of what God, for what he has put together. But I am also proud of you of being the kind kind of congregation that you are. And I want to encourage you to spread the gospel. I want to encourage you to uh, be who you are, be confident in what God has called you to be. To all the young people that are here, I just want to say to you, be confident in this day. This day that we live in is is rough because of, of the computers and all the different things, all the information that may, some may be right and much of it is wrong. And you have to choose what is right and wrong. And I look at our young people and how you are sponsoring them to go to, uh, to the, the dedicated uh, um, camp and, and to, to really help them uh, really attain the purposes of God, really showing them who they are. We have so many young people getting involved in the ministry. I encourage you to get involved in ministry, young people. I encourage you to stand up for who you are and what God has created you to be. Well, turn your Bibles to Matthew 22. And um, as you're turning to Matthew 22, we're going to read another scripture in a moment, but stay at Matthew 22. It's, it's part of our message today. I want to talk to you uh, regarding covenant thinking. Remember what we have found is that in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, um, there is, was a process of a transition from Old Covenant thinking to New Covenant thinking. And New Covenant thinking basically is coming from, uh, from works and, and slave and all the above to being sons and daughters, to have an inheritance. 
and uh, of God and to really move into a depth of that. And if you want to know more about covenant, you need to get into discipleship because we teach about discipleship OSL and uh, that we'll get deep into that uh, on Sunday afternoons in OSL. But also, in accomplishing your purpose, we need to think differently about it. And I'm going to begin to show you this week and then next week as we celebrate Father's Day. And guys, we're going to have a gift for you also this coming Sunday. But I also have a, a gift for you from the Word of God that I'm going to give that's really pertinent to you and your life. In summary, I want to, to tell you about why God made you. Why God made you. I want to talk to you about why you are here. What is the very reason why you're here? Why were you set where you were set? Why were you born by the parents that you were born from? What is your purpose in your life? What your purpose is in life? About 18 years ago, there was a secular national poll that was done in America, and I was doing a paper for our organization, helping put some things together for our organization. And so I began to study uh, some polls and some uh, things that they did. And here was the question. It was amazing because it was a secular poll. It was not a, a religious poll or came from, you know, uh, Christian TV. Um, the question here is, if you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? Basically what they were saying, if you could, uh, you know, get face-to-face with God, what would you ask them? And you know the number one answer was? They would ask God, why am I here? Of all the questions, of all the things that people would ask, it was 81% in that poll that asked, God, why am I here? So I'm going to begin today by answering that question and a couple more regarding accomplishing God's purpose. You cannot fulfill your purpose if you don't know what it is. You cannot fulfill God's plan in your life if you don't know what it is. You know, because life can be harsh. In this world, there is a lot of turmoil. In this world, there is so many enemies that you face And there is a lot of pain in life. And we have to recognize to get to the end of your purpose, of your life, and to find out that you did it wrong would be awful. This is me, and I'm going to get a little personal today and uh, regarding myself, not regarding you, but, but I hope that the Holy Spirit makes it personal to you. I don't want the pain, the turmoil, and the struggles I've faced in 59 years in life to be for naught. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be saying goodbye to my family and it to be for naught. All the stuff that I face, all the stuff that I've gone through, You say, Pastor, you don't look like you've gone through a lot. Well, basically, I don't think I've gone through a lot what other people have. Maybe you have. 
but there's been pain, there's been suffering, there's been things that have gone on in my life that hurt. And I have got to the place of knowing the covenant of God with me, knowing and thinking covenant thinking. I've got to the place where when I face difficulties, when I face things that are hard, when there's attacks against my life, my family, whatever it is, I stand there and I say, you know what? That is not gonna make me turn to the right or to the left. I'm gonna keep doing what God's called me to do. You will not, and I know it's spiritual, you will not cause me to turn a direction where I know I'm not supposed to go. You see, there are some people in this world that they're like pinballs. And wherever the stuff happens, that's where they go. And you know what's really amazing to me? Those people are wonderful. They're good people. But they just don't know God's purpose. And they don't know the depth of the power and the authority of the purposes of God. See, God doesn't just give you a purpose and nothing to work with. God gives you purpose for your life and everything you need that pertains in spiritual or physical, he's given you the ability to do it. There's not one thing that God has asked of you that he hasn't given you the authority and power to do it. So what we have to do is to change, transition from old covenant, God, you do something, then I'll follow, to new covenant where, God, you've given me authority, you've given me the ability, and now as Pastor Dan was talking about with, with uh, praying uh, for our bodies and all the different aspects of our life, I have the authority to do this thing, and I will accomplish it. Are you with me? You want to find out some of these things? You want to, you want to grow in this area? So let, let's go after this. So because life is harsh, we choose. No, God's given me the authority to accomplish this. I will not change because of the problem. I don't want to get to the end of my life and meet God and him say, well done in what you did, but you missed my purpose for you. Son, that's not what I created you for. You know, I, I was... Um, talking with J.D. and Lucanda, and, and you will find that in this series, I'm, I'm opening ourselves up to other people. This is just not Pastor Gary. Let's try to get where Pastor Gary is. We're all in this. I got there early. It was in Los Angeles at the, at the J.W. Marriott, large auditorium. <coughs> Excuse me. I got there early, and they had tables out in the foyer. And so I sat at a table, and I, I had my phone, and I was actually uh, journaling. I was, I was reading some scripture, been busy. And so I was reading, and, and this, this young lady, probably 35 or so, said, uh, Sir, you mind if I, I sit here? I said, No, go ahead, please. Please sit there. And uh, so um, I said, Are you okay? And I got up, and I you know, held the chair for her, and she sat down because it was a formal uh, event. And so as she sat there, we just began to talk, and, and long story short, I, we were talking about what she did for a living, what was going on in her life, and different things, and then she asked me, what did you do? I love it when they ask me that question. You know, 
And so she asked me what I did, and I said, well, I, I pastor the most amazing church in El Monte, California. And she says, you do? And so she began to talk about of her going to church, but she hasn't, and just all the different things. And um, God just opened the door, and right there in that foyer before the event, I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And let me tell you what I did, and I, I, I really want to, you know, some of you might think, oh, pastor, you shouldn't have done that. Well, this is what I did. She had a mixed drink, and when she received the Lord, she grabbed it, she goes like this, and I grabbed it, I put it towards her. I said, your salvation is not based upon that. Your salvation is based upon the Lord Jesus. Don't make it religious. Make it a relationship with God. And she grabbed her drink and she said, you're right. And she still pushed it away. But see, that's the point. We have to be real with people. We have to be real and understand. And when you understand God's purpose and God's power, you know what happens? You are able to fulfill it all. And that's with me. I, I was sharing with J.D. and Lucanda that night. I had the privilege of, of uh, leading to the Lord. And they're so, they were so excited. And here's this guy that's directing this huge event, J.D. You know, just, I mean, he's got stuff in front of him. I have no clue what this stuff is. And, and you should see him just, you know, near the end and the, the, the climax of the whole thing. He's literally almost standing up and he's like directing the choir. And he's just going from, uh, just... I'm so proud of him. I got a video of it too. So, so uh, I, I've watched it twice already since because I'm proud of him. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of God's purpose in you. And you have to understand where I, when I say things like, you know, I'm so proud of you. Some of you say, you don't even know me. And you're going to find out why I'm proud of you because of the one that I know and his name is Jesus Christ. And the purposes that he's put in me, the purpose that he's put in you, to give you a thought, a process, a way of thinking, and a way of life that really produces what I just said. In Matthew 25, verse 21, I had you turn to Matthew 22. It says, His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You're trying to do too much. Now, what I'm saying to you, most all of us probably need to do more, but you're trying to do too much. In other words, what I'm saying is in your purpose, there's many aspects because we don't understand it. We don't understand the thinking behind it that we're running around like a chicken with our head cut off, if you've ever seen that, running around like a chicken with our head cut off trying to get everything done, trying to prove our worth when you need to recognize in covenant thinking that God has called you sons and daughters. You are important to him. You are special in the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter where you've been, what's gone on, the mistakes you've made, you are special in the kingdom of God. Sure, you have to confess your sin, but in reality, we are doing too much trying to prove our worth, and I'm just trying to tell you, in your purpose, you are worthy. Church, I, I want to know for sure that I am doing what God called me to do. Covenant thinking is this. I want to please guide God by fulfilling my purpose he has set for me. I love the Lord. 
I want you to hold on to that. In Matthew 22, a lawyer has presented himself to Jesus and asked Jesus questions, basically to trap him. Sounds like in today's day. This is not a normal lawyer, but one who, listen to this, who judicates the word of God for the Sanhedrin. So what he is, is he is not only a lawyer of legal terms, he's also one that has studied all of the law. And so he knows the law, he has studied the law, he he understands it, and he's the one that judicates everything that goes on, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. But we've learned in this series that in man of himself, without God, there's no good. Amen? All right, I'll say that again, because we got to understand that. Without God, in man himself, there is no good. But with God, there's all good. But this was a man who was living by the law. So they went to ask Jesus a religious question to find him wrong on anything and turn Jesus over to judgment resulting in crucifixion. Bottom line, when man good is involved, it doesn't matter what man does as long as that the man, whatever he does, is in an equality with what man thinks. If it's opposite or different than what man thinks, then man thinks that person is evil and they want to kill him. And that's what we see with Jesus. Jesus did no wrong. Jesus said no wrong. Jesus was perfect, and they still killed him. Because in man's ideas, even God himself is wrong. So in Matthew 22, this is the atmosphere. Verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang the Old Testament. Hang the law and the prophets. On these two things, you can accomplish all that the old covenant says by walking in love towards God and towards one another. We need to be thankful for this lawyer because Jesus gave the answer that you and I build and can build our purposes. So the question again was this, what is the most important commandment of the law? And Jesus said, verse 37 again, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is just like it. The second is just as important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments... You prove God. On these two commandments, you prove God's purposes in your life. Now, let me just kind of 
massage us a little bit so that you can begin to think a little bit more on this. What I want you to understand is God is saying, love me because I love you. And love your neighbor because I created your neighbor like me. I created you like me. The difficulty of life today, you trying to fulfill your purpose, is there's a lot of dishonor in our world. There are a lot of people that are dishonoring, a lot of people that, that uh, you know, as Pastor Dan was talking about our mouth, that our mouth goes and that, that we, we speak. But the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in the reality of, of what we're trying to get at, we're talking about accomplishing our purpose Every time we say that, we're always thinking it's only about what you do and the end result. What's in your bank account? What you have done that people can report everything that you have done. That's what Jesus said. He said, said, uh, well, you need to do that. He says, well, I've done it. He says, well, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and serve me. And he walked away sorrowful. It wasn't that Jesus was saying, you got to give everything you got. No, God wants to prosper you. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you more. He is going, I love what Dan said. He said that God is pressing into you. He's going after you. He's wanting to bless you. He's wanting to have a relationship with you. Hmm. So they had the Old Testament, which is the law, and the prophets. But Jesus wants to transition us into new covenant thinking. Jesus said, watch this, if you want the interpretation of the Bible, love God and love people. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you thought, you know, it's just really hard to read the Bible? When it's hard to read the Bible, and hear my heart, when it's hard to read the Bible, it's not because you're not smart you can't read or whatever. It's hard to read the Bible because we read it with old covenant thinking instead of new covenant thinking. I'm not coming against old covenant. Jesus came. He didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. We've already talked about that. So let's not go back there. But let's stay with, with the process, the transition from old covenant thinking to new covenant thinking. What Jesus is really trying to do with you and me is to get us into a place of if you're going to truly understand God, truly understand life, your purpose, truly understand everything in the Bible that is written, then you need to read it through love. You need to read it that this is a God that is love God is love, love is God. This is God writing to someone that he loves, you. And everything that is done, whether you see war, whatever goes on, you see that it's out of love, God's perfect love. And you begin to understand why, and let me show you, and I'm gonna show you why that we begin to look at everything through love, the eyes of God's love, and honoring other people. We then will begin to see in a greater way God's purpose. Church, let me say it this way. We can even be doing God's purpose, but not accomplishing God's purpose. The difference is that we don't see it 
and do it out of love. We do it out of necessity. Some people go to church because they've been taught all their life, you have to go to church. It's not, it's not a relationship. It's not something that is you. It is something that you have to do. All right, so the interpretive key of the Bible, watch this, is relationship. You were created for relationship. The number one relationship is with God, and number two is with people. Everything that God set apart in his word is based upon God loves, wants relationship, and he wants those that he created to have relationship. So God is intensely a relationship God. He, the Bible tells us, he's three in one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, in this, we can spend a lot of time teaching you on this, but this it is impossible to explain the fullness of it, but impossible to, to deny. Our God is a family within himself. I'll say that again. Your God is a family within himself. God created the human family around him because he is intensely relational. Church, we're talking about accomplishing God's purpose. So what does that have to do with it? It has everything to do with God's purpose in your life. The Bible says again that God is love. The Bible says that God creates us in our mother's womb. And I really want you to hear this. You were created by love, for love, which is the only thing that will fulfill you. You couldn't win, I mean, it'd feel good, you could win $10 million. But that will not fulfill you. You could give 20% of that to nonprofits, but that will not, will not fulfill you. It is in being in relationship with God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and one another that fulfills you. Now follow me. You were created for that. It is the thing that you can do. All the years, 37 years of ministry, I hear people come in to me and talk to me at conferences, just like yesterday I did a conference and and guys were coming up to me and saying, I just don't know how. And I said, yes, you do know how. What are they saying? I don't know how to be in a relationship. I've been divorced three times. I've had this. I've had that. They said, I don't know how. I don't know what. I said, yes, you do. The only thing is you do not understand. And I told them. I was telling them our sermon today. I said, you don't understand God. God is love. You're created by love for love, now you begin to honor people. I tell you, if you begin to grow in love with your God and you begin to live that out because you know who God is, then your marriage, your relationships will always work because it's out of love. Church, pastor, that sounds so simple. Amen. I'm a simple guy, and I have to put things in simplicity. Actually, the Bible's a simple thing to read. 
But when we don't understand love, it's hard to read the Bible. You are perfectly created. This is what you can do. You can love God and love one another. You are perfectly created in God's image, and God is the God of relationship. And because you are created in his image and likeness, you have all ability to accomplish that. With this truth, let me say this to you. Nothing else in this life that you try to do apart from relationship and apart from love will you ever succeed at. There are people out there that they're driving really nice cars or driving this and that. They have this, they have that. And everyone says, success. But if you understand that all that you can't take with you, there's nothing wrong with, with having things. God wants to prosper you. But when it's not based out of love and it's based out of getting and it's based out of fame and it's based out of, you know, look at me now and all the different things, what happens is you will not accomplish God's purpose in your life. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. This basically speaks of the relationship with God. But if you understand covenant thinking, there's destruction comes because people abandon relationships. They abandon love with God. They abandon love with one another. Jesus said again in Matthew 22, the greatest is love, the second is like it, and that's love. Hmm. Anybody ever read the Ten Commandments? It's kind of hard now because they take it out of all our courtrooms and stuff. But the Ten Commandments... uh, Melissa, my daughter-in-law, belonged to a church in Oregon and was pastored for many years by Pastor Ron Mel. And Pastor Ron Mel wrote a a book on the Ten Commandments called The Tender Commandments. The Tender Commandments. Because in the the Ten Commandments summarizes the law, the the Old Covenant, to the, the New Covenant. Actually, everything you read in the Bible is always pointing towards relationship with God and relationship with one another. Watch this. Have you ever seen it this way? The first four commandments of the Ten Commandments are, don't have any other gods before me, have no graven images, don't take my name in vain, and the fourth is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We must realize the first four commandments are to simply protect the relationship we have with God. When God gave commandments to man, we think, oh, it's to judge us whether we're right or wrong and make us look bad and all the different things. No, it's not. The four, first four, are basically set up, if you do this, you will have relationship with the Father. Hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. In the, in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, you had the law and other prophets, and you know what, what they were doing? They were teaching the law 
And the law was actually not to tell you how bad you are, it's to show you that you need a Christ. That's all. To show you you need a Christ. That's why the Bible says that none could fulfill, and the only one who could was the one born without sin, and that was Jesus. Well, let's look at the next six commandments. The next six commandments is honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not, do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And do not covet. We must realize the last six commandments are to protect the relationships we have with one another. A covenant thinker honors God and honors one another in a God-created relationship. That's why I bragged on you earlier today. Because I see such honor being just coming out of you. I see you honoring God during worship. I see you honoring God, you know, as, as we're doing things and we're part of different groups. And when we clap for all the different groups, you know, during the announcements, I love that because that's honoring, not only to the leaders, but honoring to one another. We honor you. Why do we honor you? Because that's God, that's love. That's what it's all about. If you're gonna fulfill, accomplish God's purpose, you must have a thinking and an understanding and a faith of love. So when looking at the Ten Commandments and you don't look at it as protecting relationship, you look at it as a legalistic, demanding God who doesn't give a rip about you and telling you don't all the time. And I want to tell you, as I have studied the Word, read the Scripture I don't, I don't even count it because I, 15, 20 times read through the Bible. I see a God that says, do it. I see a God that says, I believe in you. I see a God that says, I'm so proud of you and I love you. Oh, but. He sees us through Christ. We're hidden in Christ again. We've said it a thousand times, but I see a God that says, I am so stinking proud of you. It's you that I believe in. It's you that I've placed my purpose in you to accomplish this. And I've given you ability. I've given you authority. I've given you everything that you need that pertains unto life and godliness, Scripture says, to do this, to be this. Gentlemen, Rise up and be the man of God. Ladies, rise up and be the women of God. I can't wait to hear the response of, of the girls coming together. I can't wait to get with all that, that go to, to uh, uh, Vegas and dedicated and, and for me to go to OSL and teach the love of God to them. I can't wait because God is saying, I've given it to you. I've done this for you. It is a done deal. You just need to walk in love. Love me. Love one another. Honor me. Honor one another. And you will accomplish what I've called you to do. So you know when I read the Bible, I jump out of my skin. Because I got a daddy in heaven that loves me. 
Watch this. I got a brother in heaven. His name is Jesus, who every day makes intercession for me. I got a Holy Spirit that lives inside me. God never leaves me nor forsakes me. He's always guiding me and directing me and showing me things that I don't know. Why is that? Let me tell you why it is. Because he loves me. The most simplest song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Who? Well, I thought this was pretty funny. I, I know we're getting pretty serious here, but in what we're talking about, this is called God is Watching You. Children were lined up in the cafeteria of a Christian school for lunch. At the head of the table was a large pile of apples, though. Someone had written a note and placed it next to the apples. It read, take only one because God is watching you. So moving through the line to the other end of the table was a large pile of chocolate chip cookies. One little boy, who was a lot like us, wrote his own note and snuck it next to the cookies. You know what it said? You're supposed to say no. What did it say? You know what it said? It said, take all you want. God is watching the apples. <laughs> God's watching. You know what he's watching? He's watching his word, making sure that it would perform what it was sent to do. That's what he's watching. He's not, you know, I'm going like this. You know how with your kids, uh-uh-uh, when they're little, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> That's not God. He's watching his word to perform it. And what you have to do is love him and love one another and begin to live it out. People think God doesn't care. People think it's all about do's and don'ts. That one day he may accept you. One day you might be good enough. Well, the Bible's already told us that our goodness is as of filthy rags. But in Jesus Christ, we live in his righteousness. See, God didn't write the law to find a reason to reject you. God wrote the law to try to find the reason to keep our relationship whole. And keep your relationships with each other. That's why the law, the tender commandments, was written. You know, the Pharisees, let's use a term to, the Pharisees were mean. They were bullies. They took the law and they lost the interpretive key. What's the interpretive key again? The interpretive key is that love God and love one another. The interpretive key is that God loves you and God loves your brother and sister. The interpretive key is that God does everything out of love. Matthew twenty-two forty. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. Well, who were the prophets? They were awesome men. Okay? Who were the prophets? They were, they were awesome men and women in the Bible. But some of them were weird. One prophet laid, they said, laid naked for three years prophesying. That person would be in jail today. Many were wide-eyed. Well, you know, the one who introduced Jesus 
in the River Jordan. The Bible said that he wore, he wore animal skins and ate locusts and honey. Weird. I mean, I, I eat some weird stuff traveling, but no thanks, locusts and honey. God's messengers. Well, turn, let's talk about one of God's messengers, one of the prophets. His name is Hosea. In Hosea 1, verse 2, and we have to understand, I'll show you what this is about. This is, this is God loving his people and loving one another. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of harlotry. Go marry a prostitute and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. God says, you know, you know how I feel right now when he, was, he said this? You know how I feel about Israel? I feel like a husband who married a woman who cheats on him all the time. That's what he was saying to Hosea. Hosea, you are my prophet, and I want to send a message to my people through you. So, Hosea, marry a prostitute. He did. God is saying, I am trying to marry you. I am trying to love you. I am trying to be in relationship with you, Israel. I'm trying to be in relationship with you, Valley Community. And what's happening is that at times that you are rejecting me. And all I am doing is wanting to love you. And you are looking at me as some demeaning, demanding God that doesn't care about you. And he says, I am here to love you. And when I gave you my purpose, I've given you all the ability to do everything you need to do. I just want you to accept me and love me back. God is saying, again, I'm trying to love you. But you're breaking my heart because you are constantly straying from me. Hosea 2.13, he says, I will punish her for the days of the bales to which she burned incense. She decked herself with her earrings and jewelry and went after her lovers. But me she forgot, says the Lord, speaking of Israel. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me my husband and no longer call me my master. Why did he say that? Why did he do that? Because he's sending a message. You've rejected me but I want you to know that doesn't change me. I love you, saith the Lord. And those around you, you are to love also. When you know my love, you will love. When you know who I am, you will know who you are. There was that question, who am I? What is my purpose in life? You're creating the image and the likeness of God. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That fulfills purpose. That creates an atmosphere in your heart, in your mind, in the way you think, in the way you live. It's regarding covenant thinking and accomplishing God's purpose. Let's finish with this. When I am finished with you, 
when my love has its full effect in your life, watch this, then that perfect love casts out fear, which produces relationship. Relationship where? With your God. Where else? With the one sitting next to you. With the person that rejected you. With the person. Let me tell you, you 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 can't you can't make someone be who you are, or be just like you. Because bottom line, we're all like God. The only one who does that is Him. And so when people reject you, it hurts. But don't let that hurt cause all what God's done to come to naught. Don't run from God. As we said last week, run to God. When people reject you and, and walk in their, their stuff, forgive. Run to the Lord. That's why I love this place. We're not perfect. But we come here, and there are people that are faithful every single week to come and to pray for you. The gentleman, Alan Mary, one of the elders, as many of them, you know, all of them do, grabbed a hold of him and said, come here, I need to talk to you. Took him in room four and spent 15, 20 minutes putting the word of God through him. Telling him, listen, it's not about how good you are. It is who God is. God is your healer. And he loves you. Not because you're, you're good, not because you, listen, we will, if you know God, you will be good. If you know who he is and what he's done for you, you don't walk around in fear. Perfect love, cast out fear, which produces that beautiful relationship with God and with one another. Number nine, when God loves, God's love has done its work in your life, you will no longer, God says, see me as a mean God up in heaven. You will see me not as master, but as a husband that loves you. as a husband that loves you. Because you're his bride. Honor God. Love him. And through that, the second, love one another. I'm so proud of you. That's why I can, because I know what God's done in you. I know what God's done for me. I know what God's done for you. I'm so proud of who you are. I'm so proud of what you're going to be. I'm so proud of what you're accomplishing and later on what you will accomplish. God's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. You have the power and the authority to do what God's purpose for you. His days the Bible says that all our days are, are, are set, are planned. But you know what? They're set and planned through love. 
I love you, God says. That's why I've set you in this day and in this day and this day. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. He didn't overcome the world because he hated the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Everything in the Bible is about love. Well, what about all the wars in the Old Testament? He was protecting his own people. You read it in the Bible. He gave chance for all these nations. He gave chance for them. He said, go, and finally, after a while, that was it. He said, go in there and annihilate them. Why? Because if they didn't, it would have destroyed the very things that God planned. God's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows all things. And he's immutable. He does not change. He doesn't change because I messed up. He doesn't change because I did great. He's always the same. He loves me. He loves you. Let's all stand.